I am Ben Doc Askins, the psychedelic science war storyteller, and this is the Anti-Hero's Journey Podcast. Hey everybody, Doc here. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want it to be possible for me to continue to make it, then I'm going to need you to go to my store at antiheroesjourney.com and buy my audiobook and my ebook in one of the many translations available, or go to shop and pick out some of my stuff t shirts and hats and pet bandanas and bikinis and scented candles and all sorts of nonsense, all the things you could ever want and never need. And get 10% off with the code, all caps, FRIEND10. Go to antiheroesjourney.com and use the code, all caps, FRIEND10 to get 10% off anything that you could ever want there. I appreciate your support. Thank you. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, what's up all you anti-heroes journeyers out there? I've got another Q5 podcast lined up for you where I ask my five favorite questions in preparation for ketamine-assisted psychotherapy sessions. No ketamine will be assisting us today. However, I do have Natalie Goldberg with me. She is a person who has experienced challenges and growth from a difficult past to pursuing various paths like nursing and writing. Psychedelics have played a transformative role for her, inspiring her to advocate for mental health benefits in that regard. She's a writer in the psychedelic field, passionate about educating and shifting perspectives, and she has a love for electronic music, technology, and an adventurous spirit that shapes her identity. Natalie, it's a pleasure having you on. Yay. Thank you so much, Doc. This is awesome. I'm so nervous and excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. Let's get rolling with question number one. What's your story? Okay. So I am Natalie Wood from West Side Story. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I was actually named after her and then she died exactly after that. A month later, it was the 31st. My story is of a traumatized, you know, troubled background, growing up and having a hard time finding my identity, finding myself and through tumultuous relationships with romance and work relationships and friend relationships to the point where I gave up, came home uh, to my mother's to strip everything down, work, relationship, friends, and reassess who I was. And I did it with the help of psilocybin mushrooms. And I chose psilocybin because of all the research I've done for years prior, because I was always such a psych nuthead. I loved psych in school, and I chose behavioral health for my preceptor and nursing. So I was really excited to finally do it. And then uh, once I did, it wasn't, it wasn't just about seeing really cool visuals. It changed my life in the best way. So that's my story is that I'm at this point where I've remedied such a, a difficult life where I'm, I could see myself as a failure. I'm not married. I, I wasn't able to have children and I wasn't successful in growing an empire like most people or whatever. And at this age who, who could be, if they're single and have no kids, I mean, they're probably, they could build an empire. They have enough time, but I, I don't have that empire. I don't have many assets. So it's like, okay, let's just figure out why someone 
as capable of me, capable with many skills or whatever. Why am I, why, why am I at this point? So then within the assessing my life through much, well, through psilocybin, some DMT, I figured out (laughs) a lot and it's interesting and humbling and just terrifying, but really, really fun. (laughs) That's a funny description, I guess. So I want everyone else to have that opportunity. And so I think my story up to this point is that I have to give my story out of the benefits that I received so that people who might have a lot of similarities in me, like being a female, being Latin, being poor, you know, just all those, all these demographics I could fit into, hey, it helped me, so maybe it could help you. So that's, that's my story right now. We'll, we'll see if the story in like, in like 10 years, it's different. Like, I achieved, everybody's safe and happy now. <laughs> We're all hippies. That would be really cool. <laughs> So number two, I'm sorry. I'll let you do this. <laughs> <laughs> do you, you, we could do this like a mirror interview and you could just ask yourself the questions and give know, yourself right? the answers if you want to. I'm happy to stay out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I have enough audio of myself on my phone and everywhere. Just like just sending podcast audios to my friends. Like me talking to myself for an hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so voice I, memos, okay right? Yeah, there's a lot of that going around. Would you be willing to tell more a bit about maybe some of your nursing and writing experiences? Geez, I can't believe I just jumped over that. I guess I'm a little more nervous than I thought. Yeah, so so nursing, well, I, I started actually right after high school. I wanted to leave home, and my sister was able to, my older sister, but she went to, to University of Florida as a graphic designer. And so I tried to do that in the same steps, but they accepted me, but not in graphic design. It was photography. So I completed a four-year photography degree in fine arts, the fine arts building and school school at University of Florida. So it was hard for me because I wasn't into it at the time. Like I wanted to do photojournalism and that was a different school. So just because I was so ready to rush out of home, I just didn't think for myself and just followed my sister. So I got there and I just was unhappy because I didn't know myself and I thought that I was better than all the art students. <laughs> I was so much smarter than them. They're just so whiny. And so I had a, I was very negative in that whole experience. Came back home, started doing administration work because I couldn't make money. I did a few weddings. I did a few portraits, but I just felt fake. <laughs> like I just couldn't find happiness through it. So my sister was working at a company as a graphic designer. So she got me a job there and we had a great time for like six years working together in that company in two different departments. But I ultimately was starting to get bored. <laughs> so the the company we worked at had, edu- it was education online. So I started taking some classes online for nursing because my dad put it into my head, maybe you you should be a nurse because they they're going to make a lot of money. And I was like, I guess. But can, like, I, go can ahead. I interrupt you to ask about the the photography chapter 
Is I thought you were okay? asking about the accent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I recognize the accent for sure. <laughs> Considering how I look and everything, he's probably a Latin man. Oh, Is funny. there? Do you have like a photography portfolio out there somewhere that I could see, like online? Like if I wanted to buy your photos, would that be something I could do? You know, there's like under my bed and I just, I've been so bad to myself. <laughs> okay. I love myself so much now that, you know, after a awake, post awakening, I'm like, Holy cow, I everything I own is in this very room and I I can't believe the way I've treated my things cuz I was always in search of running away and searching something better. So I see so no, I don't have a portfolio. If you get one and you put it up there, I want you to send it to me, okay? Holy cow. Yeah, now I, that's a new project I could probably work on now cuz it's all if right. If you here. want to, if that's something you'd enjoy, just yeah, let so me no, know, okay? But you were going to start telling me about why nursing is important. Oh, God, yeah. So I, uh, with with getting bored at working with my sister and in admin, actually, I didn't stay in admin. I started doing video editing. But the video editing got boring because it was corporate stuff. I couldn't sit still in the chair for more than an hour. I was irritating to a lot of the businessy tech people there that just could code all day. So... I started to sign up for classes and started taking classes. And then within that mess of starting nursing stuff, a man proposed to me, the man I was dating. <laughs> I was like, so then that threw me off to thinking, oh, well, I guess I'm going to be a nurse wife or something. <laughs> so it all kind of merged. So yeah, sure enough, I got married and started nursing school. Ugh. I can't I say it like saying that is so not me now. Like I just I got married, I was a good wife and started nursing school and we went to church. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, I was a I was a good non-Jewish wife. But so like he was like a conservative Jewish man. So anyway, we were just more friends than anything, but he still wanted to marry me and then um so the nursing school he helped me a lot through that. And I was like, yes, I can quit working. I'm a wife. I can, I can do that. <laughs> like, I don't know why. I know that's gonna, a lot of people, women could get pissed off at me saying that. But what I mean is, for me, growing up in a, ma in a patriarch household where women were treated so demeaning, I was always bitter at the fact that I, my dad pushed me, my sister, to not be like that and have multiple jobs and ha spend for ourselves and get degrees. So now I'm at this point where I'm like, oh my God, I so wish I could just be one of those chicks that's just happy with a guy marrying her because I really can't handle all this right now. <laughs> like life getting harder and harder. So yeah, I, I, qu I quit working to just do school full time. There's really no way as a nursing student, I don't think I could have survived. So graduated and then my dad got struck with stage four lung cancer. And so I was like, I'm ready for this. I can take care of him and, and save him because that's why I went through nursing school. I get it now. And so I didn't even work that year after graduation. I just took care of him. It was just exactly timed that way. Like now I wonder, oh, did dad set it up that way before he was born? He was like, that that daughter is going to take care of me. And I was like, <laughs> so... So yeah, but I mean, we all took care of him, but it's just weird. It happened right after I graduated. So then, um, after he died, I got really dark. <laughs> I was like, I don't even want to be married. I don't want to be a, I don't want to do anything. So I got divorced and 
just, I was living on South Beach and my life derailed. <laughs> so that's when I got somebody at work in a nurse. I worked at the hospital in Miami downtown. It was so chaotic. But I met a, a person, a guy that was like, you don't smoke weed. You don't calm down at home with weed. I'll come over with weed. And so I started, when I smoked it, I was like, oh my God, I need it. I should have used this for my dad's funeral and everything. It's, it's helping me so much right now. And that was the epiphany that I don't want to use any more money to buy all these meds that I use for my migraines, that I use for my body pains. So I was, you're hostage like to, to the pharmacy. You can't live a life because you're like, I can't move there. I need these meds. I can't. So I was like that with all the inflammatory pain. So once the, the, the marijuana, or sorry, I don't like saying marijuana, but like the, I say bud. <laughs> so when bud came into my life, I flower bud. So yeah, cannabis came into my life and then all of a sudden it, I just changed. It helped me through my divorce. And then I started talking to people who were into mushrooms. So <laughs> one thing led to another, but yeah, I, I guess you could say cannabis was a gateway, a gateway to like clarity. So I, I uh, left nursing once I started, like, once I, I, I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't leave nursing immediately. I nursed for 10 years at that point. Like I, I, it was within, it was all like eight, ten, eight, nine, ten 10 years, but I was realizing that I could, I could heal my pain and get rid of all my, all my meds through those years, through cannabis. It wasn't the whole time I was nursing. Gosh, that, I, I don't want that to sound that way. Like, but it was, uh, when did I, I was a nurse assistant. That's why nurse assistant. And then I did another job. Okay. So when I became a nurse nurse, I realized that my body pains were remedied with cannabis. So that's why I was like, well, you know, I don't, I've never really been like a normal person. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have all the the things in life that all the other people do. I'm kind of an outcast or a freak. So why don't I just commit to what makes me feel good since it's getting legal anyway. And then I've applied for a job and got a cannabis nursing job in a cannabis clinic. And that was, that was amazing learning. That was a psych job. That was definitely a psych job. And um, even though everyone came in for misplaced discs in their back and stuff, like it all just turned into a psych visit. And I loved it because I saw them getting better exponentially every time I saw them. So I started to merge my care for for people with nurse, like through nursing care, I was able to utilize it in something that I love. So I was like, oh, I love this. I love this feeling. But then they wouldn't give me a raise for like two years. I, they never gave me a raise. So it was, it was because of uh, COVID. They, they said it was wrong of me to ask for a, a review during COVID, during the pandemic. So I was like, all right, I got to move on. <laughs> so then I was like, I'll just research Canada. I'll go into research. So I did research nursing for like three months before I decided to stay home and play on LinkedIn. And that's how I met everybody. <laughs> that's how I met all the psychedelic people. Isn't that great? That's so great. LinkedIn. Just who would have thunk? <laughs> Well, that's how we connected, right? You doing some writing on there? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I was nursing up until last year, so I've been writing after that research job. I, I was like, I can't do anything anymore. I can't even sit in this desk 
and research for when well, I wasn't researching, I was recruiting. So that was boring. I was like, what am I doing? I got to create. And so going, coming home and breaking up with a, um, a relation, you know, it was a bad relationship anyway, coming home with my, to my mom's, it was like, you think it's hard. It's been hard. It's really hard, really difficult for me, but man, what an opportunity. I can save this for number three, number three. So I'll keep going if you don't stop me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, like you've mentioned creating and some of the things where you're headed, that's kind of question two and four, like what are your intentions and what are you creating? Let's do both of those. Okay. Okay. So, well, since I'm such a busy body, you know, my central nervous system's always wiring off and you, you got to have a, a lot of capacity in your brain to hang out with me because I'm always going to be telling you useless information. So I could put all that energy into educating the masses if, if I like, but it's not the masses specifically. It's going to be people like, like me who might be unheard. Like they can't speak because of fear of getting hit <laughs> or not even getting hit. But um, I've discovered that what's scarred me the most from my trauma wasn't even the physical stuff that lasted till I was like 21. I mean, he was, choking me and hitting me until I was 21, but when I ran away, but, um, so what really hurts was the neglect, like just getting ignored. So realizing that getting ignored as a child is the most worst thing to do neurologically to a human, learning that through so much research and just orphanages and how they don't get picked up. It just, like, I, I started like really putting that into my care of my patients, my ner- my pediatric patients. I was like, well, I love psych because it can help me with the body, understand the body. But also neurologically, if you show love and, you know, you just spend a lot of time making a lot of eye contact with that child, that is has a lot of adversities, can't talk, can't move, can't breathe without assistance, they will be like, I could physically see their heart rate go from hyper to a a normalized heart rate when I would sing to them, when I would hold them. So it's like, I know that I need to, to incorporate my love I know I need some sort of mixed media. <laughs> so like I can put my love into some sort of artwork or build something so that people can see it and understand, oh, maybe that could work out for me. Maybe I could meditate. And, you know, because it's not all about mushrooms. It's not all about LSD or DMT. It's really about accessing, neurologically accessing a part of your brain it's that you can't access when you're so concerned about the rest of the world. So, I mean, it's beneficial for the higher beings that are the ones that govern our lives with <laughs> finances and or government, whatever. They like that we're distracted. They like to have our attention. So we think it's okay or it's moral and just totally fine to sit in front of any screen for the, the whole day. But in reality, we're just getting more sick because what I've learned is beyond the psilocybin use, I now can sit quietly with my eyes closed 
and neurologically let my brain show me images it wants to flood out and show me. And I say it that way because coming from such a black and white rigid environment like healthcare, I want to convince as many people as I can. So you have to speak in a language that they don't feel rejected out of. So like there is woo-woo talk, meaning if you just center and you know you you go, we, I get it. I can I can talk like that with my spiritual friends, but I know so many people <laughs> that could benefit, but they think it's so. They think it's like not out of their class. Basically, it's like a upper class thing, and I'm like, no, like no, I'm not gonna. I want everyone to know they can do this, and so I've seen like ads where people are tra- are showing children how to meditate. And man, did that speak to me. I was like, oh my God, because I have a way to speak to children, like just my presence for some reason, they just, they vomit all this information to me. They're like, oh, look, I did this. I was, I was just at a restaurant the other day with my sister and these kids were running around and I said, what are you guys doing running around? I was kind of irritated. I go, hey, what's back there? What are you guys looking back there? They go, oh, just some dumpsters and stuff. I was like, cool, cool. Okay. And because I smiled, because that made me kind of laugh, they just started telling me about their life. They're like, I go to so-and-so school. Yeah, I'm on the track team. Because I was like, oh, that's really, I went there. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I was just really interested. In, in, and that's what it is, showing interest to, so it's like, if you want to break us down to neurology and computations, like a computer system, if you will, wouldn't you want the foundation to be, to have as much all those little diodes and everything to have as much connectivity as possible. And so what creates that in a child is love, attention, like a Gabor Mate. He is, you know, okay. So like Gabor Mate says they're scientifically, they've been proven. It's been proven. You cannot love a child too much. It's so sweet. Like you cannot. And and for kids who grew up in the eighties, nineties, the thing was, you ignore your kid while they throw a tantrum. Ignore them. God, like, I think about that, and it just breaks my heart. So it's like, neurologically, we were all getting deprived of so much just expansion in our bodies, you know? So I want to make sure that people are utilizing their brain at their most capacity without fears pulling them away from themselves, you know? So, and there's, and all the fears that there are, that are not all the fears, but most of the fears out there are just illusions. So let's cut down on all the fears we've got. <laughs> let's leave it for like the bigger ones. Like, oh my God, like this freaking weather, we're all going to melt. Like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fear is, fear is intended for imminent threat detection, right? Like whatever's threatening you immediately, such as heat stroke and the weather uh, down there in Florida or, uh, or whatever, but all of the other, you know, like you said, illusions, the ways that we project fear imaginations into the future and then, you know, anxiety and worry and those circuits just get, you know, hyperactive and, you know, more myelinated. 
strategic navigators reduced my income tax bill by over 50%. These guys save entrepreneurs anywhere from 40 to 60% on their income taxes. Click the link in the description to schedule a call and see what these guys can do for you. If you enjoy paying as much as possible in taxes, then just ignore everything I just said. So instead of telling people a vague stance of, of what my intentions would be with, you know, to, to heal people through their own healing of, con- of their own consciousness, but it would have to be, it would be, the only way it would work is if you let them know it's not afraid. It's not a, a fearful thing to do. There, I'm done. Okay. That was what. <laughs> so what are you grateful for? I had that and now I forgot. I'm grateful. Okay. Honestly, no, I'm grateful for this very stinking moment. Oh my God. I've never been in this moment before. It's amazing. I've never been published. I was never a writer like before last year. So I'm, I'm, I am doing part of my intentional, purposeful, hopeful work I want to do, which is putting my words out there of, research. It's not really as much my experience, which I love to write about the most, but I'm able to learn a new aspect of writing that's going to feed me. (laughs) So I don't have to, you know, break my back nursing. So I really like that I've been given an opportunity beyond something I could ever imagine for, for my life prior to this moment. I just, so psychedelic support is amazing because they believe in me. Uh, So that right there is what I'm big time grateful for, that the universe told me to keep writing, start a blog, one thing after another will happen, just go for it. And I was like, I I need to fill out resumes. I need to, oh my God, my 401k is going to, you know, flatten. All those stupid things was keeping me from writing and writing. And they're like, I had a trip. And they were like, if you don't write, you're going to ruin your life. I was like, oh my God, okay, I will start a blog. And and little, just, it took like a month or two. And then Fat Nugs invited me to write. And so I I volunteered some of my work there. And then I had already made friends with psychedelic support prior. So once, um, I guess I was able to show how I worked, then they were like, hey, you should work with us. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> Tell me a bit more about psychedelic support. Who are they? So Allison Fiducia is the CEO or co-CEO. And it is a, a company website that is like a portal for practitioners that are psychedelic facilitators. It's a hub for articles and updates of what's happening le- with the legalities of all psychedelics there's courses beyond courses. It's really cool because like I took a, the DMT course and I was able to get credit for my nursing license. So dang, that's cool. Like I didn't think I'd ever live in this world to say that. So yeah. So she started this company, I believe, gosh, I should know when, you know, but she has, she has worked with maps and she's, she's, um, I think she's beautiful and amazing. <laughs> like, I know that's not professional to say, but my God, when you when she talks, you're like, she's serious and she cares. And she's serious. And I just appreciate that. 
because I, I add so much fluff and I waste a lot of time when information's coming out with anecdotes and stuff because of my trying to curb the ADHD symptoms. But, but she's just like what I would, I know you're not supposed to say I want to be somebody, but like if I could have a brain, a female brain that like, I would like to be more like that, but I'm working on like making my brain more efficient and stuff so I can be more focused because that's the only way to get things done. And she's changing the world because she's able to focus. So I don't know. I shouldn't have said all this stuff. I feel so embarrassed. But anyway, anyway, like I've never been in this. Situation. Don't you, you're supposed to hate work. You're supposed to hate work. You're supposed to hate your boss. Like that's how it was in nursing. It's like, oh my God, everybody hates their life, but I have to like put my lunch bag away in the refrigerator. And so I'm not doing that crap anymore. I'm waking up and if I get an email from her, I get butterflies. So it's kind of like, what? Wow. I'm not living a life where I'm chasing a man, hoping for romance. I'm falling in love with myself through my skills. And I found people that believe in me, even though it was so hard to find up until this point. So it's like, don't give up. <laughs> like, if you know what you can do, people, then stick to it because somebody out there will also agree. And then they will help you because <laughs> that's how the universe works. <laughs> We're just part of the network, right? Yeah. That's what they told me. The mushroom said, why do you keep calling it the realm? And I was like, what? why is it not the realm? They're set, and they said, it's a network. It's a network. And I'm like, I said, like the internet. And they said, no, <laughs> it's a network. I said, okay, okay. <laughs> So I guess the internet's the, inter the internet's small time yeah. compared with what uh, what's going on out there, right? Yeah. Thanks for letting me say that I get messages from the universe and not make a weird face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my face is always about the same amount of weird, so it's hard <laughs> it's hard to read in that regard. But good, I'll, good, good. I'll I'll absolutely never judge you. Okay. Perfect. So that brings us around to question number five. Since we combined two and four. Yeah. Who are you really? Okay. I thought about this one. And the only thing I can give you is what my light is. <laughs> my light. <laughs> That's basically your soul if, if for matrix terms. So, okay. What that is, is an unconditional unconditionally ever loving light. I have an absurd amount of unconditional love. I can't stop it. I was born this way. So I've been, I've, I used this energy in the wrong places where I was helping someone, but it went too far and then it was, became abuse. Right. So now I've, I'm taking this beautiful gift I have of unconditional love and balancing it in my life for the greater good <laughs> and not on one broken person at a time. And it's very condescending to me to say someone was broken and I'm not, but that's not the case. It's like, I was so broken myself. I couldn't see straight that I could only see other broken people. <laughs> and I thought that they were the, the issues in my life. And now I see because of mushrooms that I was always my issue. And because I was so broken, I attracted other broken hearts and souls. So it's kind of hard to help 
anyone in any situation when the when both people feel victimized and feel scared all the time. So trauma bonded relationships are what I had to break free from. And that's a whole lineage issue. <laughs> like my my whole ancestral lineage of women has been that set up. So I think who I really am is the person who who finally broke the chain, the ancestral traumatic chain. So I feel really good about that. And I think if if you can do that in your line, if you can stop the abuse that's going on in your family line and identify it and, and others can help others start getting affected by you because of your healing, then if I tell this story, other people can try it. Other court jesters of tribes, because I always imagine me as the court jester of this tribe that I haven't been able to leave this tribe. I'm 41. And so, um, <laughs> so I shouldn't be worried about this tribe that I came from 41 years ago. I should have been already in my new tribe, my, my tribe that I was set to find for this life. So I haven't done that. So now I, now I do, now I'm going to do that with, with who I really am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always yeah, like but... I assume I'm like going too long so I try to shut myself up but I looked at the time I'm like oh wow I kept it under 30 minutes or under 40 <laughs> ah you're nailing it no the the court jester imagery is beautiful like that I think there's a tradition of calling it the sacred fool right yeah it's a, or... it's a mix it's not just being foolish there's a a level of honor associated with it because that's the the role of humor in figuring out truth is that when you can laugh at yourself and laugh at a situation it opens you up to see truths Did that I just you are <laughs> what <laughs> are you muted what's happening did you swallow the microphone? I think she swallowed the yeah. microphone. Oh my god! I'm like, don't... I'm like sitting there talking to myself. I'm just like, a, I'm like, like a yeah. dog swallowed a squeaky toy, I'm and mute. it's just all these weird noises coming through. <laughs> like in the, what I was took movie so, Snatch. I took quite a bit of some bong hits before I started this, so I'm like, I've been trying so hard to hold in that cough because I'm like, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're all fantastic. Right. Okay. All right. That's hilarious. I did it all wrong. Okay. So you asked me a question and then I forgot. Uh, yeah. Any final thoughts, Natalie Goldberg? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say something about the court jester. I oh, yeah, yeah. learned about Hayoka or Native American figure of, so the Native American symbolic figure that is like the, the court jester. So it's basically someone who's silly, funny but who can give you really bad news and then punch you in the gut and run off. And like, I like that image of me punching someone and just like, gotcha. And then running off. It's got like a, a Bugs Bunny quality to it, I think. See, right? yeah. yeah. Because I'm so stuck in my childhood Well, my nerves are still so resonant or resonant resonating with childlike things and the television raised me. So I know so many pop culture references for children and from the 80s, 90s. <laughs> so it's like I stay stuck in that stuff. And I even went to, to live in Japan just because I wanted to live and work in Japan so I could be around Japanese toys. Like that's, <laughs> I have a bucket of Japanese toys. I can't, that's the only thing I can't get rid of. I can get rid of everything else 
<laughs> but the last thing I was going to say, oh, God, you asked me that question. Oh, yeah, Hayoka. Hey so I learned about that, and that, I think that's what I would have been if I was in a, in a Native American heritage lineage. But I'm not – I'm my lineage would be South America. I'm 30% well, my grandmother's 30% indigenous of M- Amazonian indigenous. So mm, I've got DMTME more than other people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm extra DMT special. <laughs> so, Just okay. I don't course, even know what I see I'm it. Well, Oh, yeah. You said what the last thing. Besides me being a Hayoka, if I'm even saying that right, I, I had envisioned telling you what, what are you creating. And I had envisioned telling you that I was going to do I have short term and long term. So long term, I'm going to make some sort of a mixed media novel or book by autobiography because I have because audio cassette tapes of my of me recording my voice and my friends and my family (laughs) so I haven't listened to that I have journals and video I don't know too many kids who did that I was just obsessed with documenting so why did I do it I I always thought I was going to give my daughter my journals but I I can't have kids so I'll just give I'll give all the other girls in the world my journals, maybe. Oh, my God, that just hit me. Ah, I have to go through my journals now to, see, to find some lessons. <laughs> but, yeah, I, so that's a, a long-going project of finally talking about my awakening through mixed media artwork and stuff. The short-term stuff, I'm still writing with psychedelic support, and they let me write about whatever I want except – yeah, they, they're like, hey, you want to write this sometimes? But like, I came up with my last article, which was I wanted to do the research, the neurological research of what happens in our brain when we take psychedelics and listen to music at the same time. So I was like, this is what's happening. And oh, wow, now that I've learned this, it really pays what to, to it really pays what you listen to. It pays to what well, I can't, I don't know why I stopped. I don't know how to talk anymore. What happened? All I was saying was your playlist really matters. There's just a lot that goes into our emotions and music when it comes to psychedelics because the parts of the brain that is working as opposed to when it doesn't, when it's sober, it's just not utilizing as much of your your brain and it's not exciting your body as much. So it's just like making music that much more of a medicine. I love it. So it, it, that's like, I was so happy writing that article. And because I think because of my ability to, to have these articles, other people are asking to do projects with me now. It's so, so I'm very grateful for that. Grateful for this very moment today and grateful for the fact that the people that want to work with me, that I'm going to be happy, my soul tribe, my soul family, they're finding me. And I, I don't, I mean, of course, everything's up in the air, but I have a group that wants to work with me. And so it's like multimedia stuff. And I, I'm just so grateful. I mean, it's all up in the air, but it's like there's just little just people wanting to collaborate. So I went from like begging to be on a nursing floor. <laughs> like, can I please be on this floor? Because I don't want to be on that floor from people wanting to. Hey, I was wondering if you wanted to collaborate. You know, like, that's amazing. So, yeah, I just have to organize my thoughts and start getting the correct messages out there (laughs) instead of just being, like, a weird uh, neurotic, uh, (laughs) neurodivergent 
entertainment show. Like if I had my own YouTube, I don't. My, if I had a YouTube show, it would be too quirky, but only because not quirky like in the cute Chloe Deschanel way. I mean, like that, that girl's kind of weird. And so I would be exposing how weird I am, and hopefully other people like this can prevail. Not that I'm prevailing, like like I'm prevailing above who I used to be, my old self. So that's what you've got to aim for, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to stay tuned and wait to see what you and your soul tribe collaborate on and put out there, okay? Yay. Yeah. Well, you're part of my soul tribe now. <laughs> just a bunch of sacred fools doing our thing. Yep. Just sending out love to the world. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Doc. You're amazing for your patience and your chill factor. It really helped me keep vomiting words. Thank you. <laughs> this is my honor. Doc out.